and welcome to the Ox Unplugged, where the one who run Barter Town is Jar Jar Binks. I'm Crispy Crab. I am Mr. J. Whip. I'm some weirdo called Vulcan. And I'm Closing Straw, but I'm muted because I'm eating dinner. At least we can actually understand you and there's no lag. <laughs> yeah. He, ma- yeah. he managed to bang two rocks together and fix his modem. <laughs> Did you put a potato of. in the middle? No, it was worse. Um, I had to get a bunch of guys on the roof that was covered in snow, and one almost died. But it- Oh, yeah, I've seen this film. Oh, did he? Were they going for Santa Claus? No. They were trying to fix... On the or- roof. On the or- roof. The-, <laughs> the satellite or whatever. Some of them may yeah. die, but that's a sacrifice we are willing to make. Yeah, because... Also... I can't it now. Fuck them. Crispy. Yes. Do you have the kazoo handy? Oh, shit. Yes, I do. Oh, God. <laughs> See, I have something special in mind. I have something special I like in mind for... Going. I do not. I'm scared. <laughs> Alright. So, what, what do you want me to play? Crispy, I need you to play a certain intro, the Clone Wars intro, because today we are discussing Star Wars. More specifically, right. what would happen in the Star Wars galaxy with a post-apocalypse? All right, here we Not go. necessarily. <laughs> I, how do you shake up the, the thing? Post-apocalypse is just an option. It doesn't have to be the only option to me. Because well, I've, given... I've got ideas for non-violent options. Or probably non-violent. Non-violent. That's non-violent in Star Wars? Yeah. Me? Wars is the second part. Part of the title, sir, non-violent just is not a thing. <laughs> exactly. Can I cut not... people in half if they're angry? Well, quote-unquote angry. Yes, it's not called uh, Star, you know, Hug Circle. Oh, could you imagine? Lightsabers don't work and uh, the guns don't work. And you're just like, what the fuck do you survive again? Just throw sticks at each other, I guess. Well, I mean, already there are there are actually societies within Star Wars, even in contemporary times, that still live like that. I mean, yeah. there's, there's there are three point two million, either that or billion, depending on which which timeline you're looking at, which whose whose canon you are looking at, or whose legends you are looking at. It's like either three point two million or billion, depending on who you ask. But that mm-hmm. many habitable systems. There's a lot, a lot of different societies, a lot of different people, a lot of different things going on. Yeah, and even even in some of the shows, you see different different societies living in different ways. You have people that are basically like nomadic. You have people that are completely mm-hmm. pacifist and unwilling to get involved in things. Um, okay, we are starting so, the episode. I, I apologize. I ran out of right. intro. Do you want me to play the kazoo? Yeah. All right. Okay. Say this. Let me just end it real quick. Star Wars. Oh, God. Now- <laughs> Oh. <laughs> All right, kazoo time. Oh, Jesus. Are you going to start talking? Or what? Or am I just playing the fucking I was, uh, <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was kind of, 
It's so yeah, loud. It's so loud. It is. I don't <laughs> think it's actually right now. <laughs> you keep going until it ends, boy. Oh, God. It's going to end real Please. quick. My girlfriend's giving me death eyes. <laughs> I bought this kazoo and did not tell her. It turns out she doesn't like kazoo. It's a very <laughs> abrasive noise. It, it must be coming pretty loud through the speakers. It is. Yeah. It was, yes. Okay, but maybe was... we shouldn't have it, but... You know, Ooh. I was enjoying it, and it is a good lead to what we are doing today. We need to find a way to balance it so it doesn't fuck with the audio. But <sighs> just be glad that my girlfriend took and hid the louder that was on it, which was basically a giant funnel. You could just use, use Audacity and just record it. Yeah, but I'm lazy. You piece of shit. Well, yeah, well... Maybe at some well, point we'll get this started. We'll uh, figure it out. Yeah. Anyway, right. go ahead with your intro, Vulcan. Weirdness from the depths of the internet. Six... Five, actually. <laughs> I was going to say six as I saw the recording. Avatar Jesus. Five dudes gather together to discuss what would happen in Star Wars if you changed up the lore a little bit. We have Crispy Kraut himself, player of the kazoo, whom his girlfriend hates it. Halion, the local resident dad, and occasionally guy who keeps us on topic. Closing Straw himself, out in the background, doing closing straw things, and Mr. Smart Guy. Wit himself <laughs> is going to grin and bear through his least, well, I wouldn't say least, but anyway, on the topic of Star Wars, let's just get to it. I'm Vulcan. Hello. Welcome. I don't know. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hello. You know, you know, okay, so on my notes, what I've got going on is, let's, let's say this is just past the Yuzang Vong War. And there are 365 trillion people dead. And more or less, what we're going to discuss is a complete breakdown of the 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 galactic civilization as you know it and what that would look like. That's that's let what me, I see as a... Yeah, let, let, me tap the, let me tap the brakes on that real quick. We, we are talking yeah. about the idea of... Uh, sorry, I, I don't mean to cut you off, Vulcan, but I just... You're you're going like straight into it. I I think we kind of I don't think we've really explained what our topic is for the episode. Not um, really. It was just how I mm. interpret it through chat. So I do apologize for that. No, no, you're fine. Oh, no, you're no. fine. I I I just figured. So to, okay. I, Let, yeah. Let's keep going forward. So the idea is you take Star Wars and the issue I personally am having with all of the new Star Wars things is that they're retreading very similar ground. Um, and it's, yeah, I felt that alien, the like glare, but the idea is what can you do to shake up the star Wars universe and, and just like shake it like a snow globe and be like, okay, what the fuck happens if you say make hyperspace uh, FTL not work anymore? Or if the post apocalypse happened, what does that look like to the universe and so on? Yeah. How yeah, do you that's... completely flip things? Define yeah, the apocalypse or how the civilization ends, because... I don't yeah. know! Uh, essentially, because, the like, way that I view it is that throughout Star Wars, um, you have a sort of 
it, you don't have a defined version of galactic civilization, but it's generally, like, remains sort of the same through the Republic to the Empire. It's just the central government's changed. Imagine that the, the entirety of the galaxy that we see in Star Wars, imagine if some sort of cataclysm happens that affects everywhere at once. You know, whether that's the hyperdrives stop yeah. working, or all the droids turn on, on their masters, or use on Vong, or whatever. Yeah. Now, to be fair, uh, since there are those of us among the, the group here, and probably listening at home, if you are unfamiliar, in the Expanded Universe, which was all the awesome shit that happened after the original movies that Disney totally jettisoned, um, there was a point where a, a species called the Yuzong Vong invaded the Star Wars galaxy from outside of the galaxy, whose technology was entirely organic-based. Everything that they did, their ships, their weapons, their armor, everything was organic and alive. And they laid waste to the most of the galaxy. Anyway, just, just so everyone's aware what that situation was. There was, in fact, an apocalypse. Yeah, our near, near apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. There were 365 trillion people died in this conflict. So imagine if this conflict went around for one year. That's 300. Goodness, that's, that's a trillion people dead every single day. It's quite a lot. At some point, the numbers don't make sense. It was a bad time. Yeah. Like yeah, and 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 you know, again, earlier when you when you have when you have so many millions of potentially habitable worlds and systems and things like that, it it definitely does put the numbers. The in scale gets weird. So okay, it does Star Wars so, is so open like that though? So okay, um, so, I'll start off because I don't know. I want I have a weird idea, and I'm curious how it would work. <laughs> this is the the I want I have an idea thing. So okay, the huts. What would a hut government be? So there was the Republic and the Empire. What would a hut galactic spanning empire look like? Basically, oh, a, a bunch of, of criminal organizations there. taking over everything. So imagine like the cartels owned all. A lot like, of blackjack and hookers. It'd be Russia. It would be like South it's, America it's a, plus Mexico. It's a, a yeah. It's a government that exists as a shell of oh, okay. quote unquote of quote unquote government and fairness when really it's just a few powerful people and a shit ton of graft. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, but I mean, I mean, the huts already kind of have that. They've got a big chunk of the galaxy called Hut Space that they want themselves. Oh yeah, yeah. They they've got <laughs> multiple worlds that exist within their own little pocket that the Republic or Empire or whomstever is currently in charge just says, yeah, you know, we're just, we're not going to deal with that. You guys do your thing. You got to huh. consider, Mr. Witt, you got to consider one thing. A fully grown hut can pick you, a fully grown human up, and swallow you whole without a second thought. Like, these, yep. when they're ready to kill shit and not just sit around like Jabba does, it's like, they can do that like okay. they're a big fucking muscle they're, well, like, they're, it's they're not actually that, pretty rough it's not so much that I mean, it's their ruthlessness and their intelligence yeah, literally. yeah that's, that's, the that difference they're is, really good they're really good shipbuilders yeah. too among other things really uh, they've got yeah they the huts yeah, do not look at other species as being worthy they look at only huts are considered uh sentient everything else is just an animal to them 
Plus, plus, I think in like either Legends or Canon, well, quote unquote Canon, there was a comic in which a bunch of rebels found the experimental empire base and it had a lot of clones, like with Anakin and a bunch of genetically engineered hut troopers in war armor and anti tank weapons. Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it sounds like you're describing the you're you're describing the shell huts. There's an Man. offshoot. Uh, there's an offshoot of the huts that, in addition to being giant slug type creatures, are uh, they're a little bit more paranoid, and so yeah. they encase themselves in total bodies of armor, like these giant shells, and to so that they're completely protected. And like they're so big, they even have repulsors to just kind of float them along. Huh. And when and because they can't move around really, they just get fatter and fatter, and to the point where they outgrow their shell, and they have to get another one built. And so when that happens, they throw a big party. Huh. Wow. So what is a right. typical hut government then like? What would if they an took oligarchy. over the empire? How would they do that? Like, what would they go for? Imagine an oligarchy. Imagine uh. kind of what you see in like The Godfather. Where you've got ruling families, which is essentially what the huts have. They, you have these certain ruling families who have a council, so to speak, and they essentially divide everything up. And whatever you want to do in your territory, that's your business. As okay. long as you don't, as long as you don't infringe on my territory, and it is forbidden to go against each other. Because if that happens, everybody else gangs together to clap you down because that's not allowed. Okay, yeah. so it's more of a very tense sort of uh, West Europe during the Middle Ages, where it's just a bunch of kings being terrified of each other. Yeah, Terrif kind of, kind of, yeah. Way. Okay. I mean, uh, the only difference being that these kings can all live for a, a thousand years or more. Yeah, and they're really, really hard to kill. Like it, huts are incredibly durable. Okay. They used. To be a species before a big movement of hey, let's all just sit around, smoke coke, and money. Smoke coke and enjoy money. <laughs> yeah, because the thing is, I've always sort of been eh on like, oh, this guy is so big and powerful. Because big and powerful doesn't run a corporation. Being no. really strong doesn't mean it means you can fight like a couple dudes, but you, you're not an army. Yeah. But they have money. Yeah. And they, they, they have, have money you, and they have power. They have influence. They have fun. So that, that's, yeah. They also, in the early days, were some of the first to have FTL technology. And when you figure that's a pretty big, big thing, especially mm. in the early period of Star Wars and stuff like that, if you're able to exploit that, you're able to exploit entire planets, entire species, and doing what you want, so oh, that they're not going to be just they're um, old backwater planets. Well. Yeah, they're yes. old money. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, yeah, think about it. If, if, if every member of your family lives, you know, 1,200 years plus, think about how much wealth you can accumulate in that time. Okay. Yeah, I think I think other than the Rakatan Empire, which eventually fell, and the Rakatans gave a lot of you know different species and stuff like that in the Star Wars galaxy, some FTL and stuff like that, and hyperspace technology. I think the Huts were the only other ones to discover it around a, a similar time frame, 
but I would have to look at the infinite wisdom of let's dare say the shittiest place in the world, Wikipedia, for <laughs> for clarity. Make sure you look up water; it's important. Yeah. Oh, oh sure God, you... yeah. So, but <laughs> your idea, so Jay, your idea was that instead of the empire, yeah, or the republic, you've got mm -hmm. a the huts are in charge of the galaxy. Yes, and that's 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 different. I think there, there's there's interesting things you could do with that because you were essentially, uh, they're not interested in law and order. They're just interested in profit and, you know, any anything any yeah anything that starts to interfere with with profit is a problem that you're just going to squash. So more yeah okay. Well, if they took over the galaxy empire and the republic was more likely than not begin splintering. Because Here's a power vacuum. We're taking it all. Give me what's mine. You're stepping on my territory. Fuck you. Die. They're very already very much like local warlords and stuff like that in that regard. And like like I said, local crime bosses and stuff. So if you upscale them to a more regional power base, I mean, it's no different than the Empire did it, where you have like moths and regional governors and governors and stuff like that. But I, it would, I would just actually be people extorting things and well, I mean. It'd be really little difference, honestly, if you really think about it in a grand yeah. scale, but more corrupt. Far, far more More obvious, I guess? Yeah, exactly. They would be far better at it than the Empire. They'd be way better at it, because they're not going to be ruling through... Uh, they're not going to be out there trying to blow shit up and kill people, because that hurts production. How If you kill a bunch of people, that's pe that, how are you supposed to be making money off of them? You can't sell spice to dead people. Dead people can't work the mines. So they're going to be way smarter about it. So I'm not. I'm not going to say that they're. Yeah, they're not. I'm not say they wouldn't be brutal and they wouldn't be, you know, authoritarian. But they're not going to do could, it if, in, the, in the way the empire did it. I, if it's, I could see it. If especially if you go, oh, you have to work eighty hours a week. Like I need all of everything. Yeah, it would be Cyberpunk 2020. But they're oh. businessmen. The huts. At the end of the day, the huts are businessmen. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to make smart business decisions. Most of the people working for them aren't paid. I mean, some of them are, but a lot of the people working for them are indentured servants. They have mm -hmm. somehow in, they have somehow incurred a debt, and they're having to work it off. So it'll default to a slave state, basically. Kinda. Yeah. No way. Yeah, that's more or less what the the huts actually so are. If you look at so them, so it it, it it would end up being more like the Middle Ages, where you had serfdoms. Only they would do a probably probably huts would probably do a little bit more to improve the lot in life of the average person because again that is they're both their slaves and their customers. Yeah, they are thinking long. They would have to think long term as well. Yeah, well, when, yeah, when you live twelve hundred something plus years, you 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 learn how to think long term. You know, I can think of a group actually that would probably be doing very good in a situation like this. I think that not only would they be enduring it, but I think they would be thriving. And I'm talking about the Mandalorians. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. the Mandalorians would sell their services as muscle. Yeah, and they are a warrior culture as well. So they are. this conflict in this age would probably make them exponentially stronger in many mm -hmm. regards. Well, without balance of power to keep them down and put put in their place as the, both the Republic and the Empire did, if you were talking about a remove either sort of scenario and let regional powers pop up, I could see the Mandalorians becoming a you know credible threat again, because they would probably start openly recruiting a lot more than they did oh, in yeah. the, the Absolutely. canon timeline. I mean, if the 
disowned everything, then people are more or less willing to go, Mandalorian, I don't have any money to give you, but I children they recruit. Please protect us, and we'll give a quota of a child every couple of years. Offer their foundlings as yeah, I could see that. That's that, that's existed in our own timeline as well, where each are attributing bodies and things like that for I almost like hostages for safety, like the Romans did that. Mm-hmm. Where it's like we've conquered you, or you're trying to be like a tribute state or something like that, or at least good terms. Well, we're going to take some of your children and Romanize them, and et cetera, et cetera. So, I also I, I I'm just rolling with some of the the idea of what you presented, Mister J. Mm-hmm. I'm I think. If you do have a hut-controlled galaxy, I think you're going to roll into a lot of what happened with in episode one, where suddenly all these trade routes and all of this stuff, you're going to suddenly start charging all these tariffs, all these tolls on all these ships trying to move in, you know, in and around. Because again, all that money funnels back to the huts. So you're going to the start having all these other fire. little things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's literally what happened to the Holy Roman Empire. Every road had yeah. a fort on it, and they demanded. Fuck you, money, to just go through it. In the future, all restaurants are Taco Hut. <laughs> <laughs> it's that, it, whatever that fucking frog that Jabba eats, that's just all you get there. That's in the fucking jar, you know? Pickled frog. Uh, it's all pickled food. So, Vulcan, what was your idea? You, you mentioned the Vong. So this is a scenario post using Vong um, after the the war and everything, and you could potentially eighty six the Yuzong Vong, and, that, and we're talking this is approximately twenty five years after the Return of the Jedi, something like that. And if you look at it with the if you're familiar with Fable Three's actual plot, where the initial half you're trying to take down a tyrannical governor or a tyrannical. Uh, your brother, who's just extorting the the land and everything, but then you go and you figure out that there's a spoiler warning: this terrible evil that's coming to destroy the realm, and you must prepare for it. It's it's if you look at it in that sense, if you think of the using Vong in the long term, if Palpatine was actually aware that they were coming, he very much would have been potentially trying to consolidate power for a reason to fight them. But that beside the point. So the bombs fall. Everything has been fucked up. Um, 365 trillion people dead. Um, so for the sake of this scenario, let's say in the last-ditch effort, the Yuzang Vong being as technologically hateful as they are, they like, you know, bionics, or not bionics, but like, literal... Sorry, do you mind explaining li- what the Vong are? For um, uneducated, unwashed masses like me? Okay, so essentially they're from a different galaxy, and they fought a losing war for a very long time, um, to the point where everything they have and own is literally um, like flesh. The, if you, okay, those are the biomechanical things. Okay. Yeah, but it's like it's all bio-based, biomass, this, that, and the other thing. Even their ships are organic in nature, um, and they've existed in these giant colony ships, even in the void between two galaxies for a considerable long time. And um, because they were damn near wiped out, they went from being the, the victim to the oppressor and became very savage over over all these millennia. And they eventually make their way to the Star Wars galaxy and they utterly devastate it. And they have a real disdain for technology because of some of the things that were done to them by a more superior and advanced race and et cetera, et cetera. You know, the classic, you know, tragic villain, if you will. Um, 
So that is them in a nutshell. They're very, very much driven just by evil and hate and spite and does just kill everything, take it, exploit its resources, move on, kill everything that doesn't want to work for us sort of thing. Um, so Even to the point where the Force just goes, yeah, you're not part of the Force. People just cannot see them through the Force. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they they are a taint on on all that you would think of as a good thing in in the realm. So, um, for the sake of my scenario that I've got, let's say as a last ditch effort, they, as Mister Whip presented actually, and this is what I liked, is they take out all FTL technology, and say the scale of the destruction is something like the the Secession Wars and BattleTech and things like that, where it's going to destroy so much of the production base, especially in the core worlds and the mid rim and things like that. And when you've got no FTL capable ships anymore and very little means to produce them. So say like they have like an EMT thing that or an EMP blast that also takes out computers and hits AI and droids and stuff like that too. So all that stored data might go potentially. You know, those these dudes might have might have done something like that. So now you've got all these habitable systems that are whatever distance from each other, but now the means of both trade is dramatically slowed and supplying each other with the very basics but say the hollow net which is basically the hpg network or the galactic internet if you will say that goes down too so now instant communication between worlds also goes oh so it's almost like the jihad in a way it's a full-on breakdown that was and and then we were discussing with the potential players and the first and foremost and that sort of scenario would obviously be the huts yeah or the mm-hmm. stars without numbers scream. Yeah, any any local power group that's still a regional power base within like the the New Republic or something like that. You know, splinter groups, small micro states, almost like in the Secession Wars, except on a more grander scale where things fragment more. Instead of like just five great houses, you've got smaller states. So like say the Capellan March and this that and the other thing of House Davion all splinter instead of being that. It's that's what I would see in this sort of scenario. But it what makes it apocalyptic is I mean you've got some fifty thousand years of space firing civilization suddenly not being able to have that instant communication, not being able to have FTL, not having their goods delivered within a day or two rather than now it's going to take months if not years to get things in some cases yeah because basically what you 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 have yeah you've got where the lights are off basically yeah because where star where star wars setting is it takes hours to jump from one world to another if it's and it and it can take days if you're talking jumping from one system to another so you, if you can't do that with faster than light, and you're traveling at sublight, now you are suddenly limited to the only the one or two planets within your system that are close to you, and even that's going to take days or weeks to get to. So now, as you said, galaxy-spanning empires are done. You're not going to be able to control shit. You might be able to lock down a planet, maybe two, maybe three, if you have enough ships, but that's it. Everybody else assuming, is on their own. And that's assuming the Yuzang Vong and the dis, the sheer destruction of that war didn't destroy them, or that places like the Kuat Yards, the place, you know, the, the major shipbuilders of the galaxy, which a lot of them were targeted, that those mm-hmm. even still exist or functional enough to even start putting ships out or have the databases and you know schematics left over on servers or whatever the fuck to even be able to rebuild 
that's that's where I was going with that. Is like, well, if you want to talk a galactic post apocalypse, I think that definitely sums one up. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all it's the whole concept of an invading army came in and burned everything and salted the fields and like now what? Yeah, interesting. That's 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 kind of horrible. So mm. one thing that does um, immediate as a technical person, um, if well, you don't have. Yeah, if you don't have access to all of the do- documents and all of the schematics, you can just not know some shit. Oh, and, there were definitely yeah. lost tech in Star Wars. Yeah, oh, there is oh, yeah. in Star Wars. And you're just adding more and more lost tech into that then. Just constantly feeding more shit into like, well, we don't know how this like injector works anymore. Ugh. <laughs> Let's hope for the best. That's what's weird Hopefully. about Star Wars. Is how Star Wars is supposed to be so technologically advanced, but it's only up to a point. Like, everything is still very rudimentary. And even though, like, you can go to any junkyard and find a hyperdrive, you know, we still have to use actual cameras and toggle switches and shit. We don't have, like, you know, stuff. It's, so it's, that's, it's weird. That's a really good point. Okay, so uh, another um, way to shake it up. Where do you go with the technology side of things? If you could invent something to be able to do that, okay. Let let me let me posit something. That, considering yep. we just talked about uh, the technology, yeah. um, one thing that I've found interesting, and some things that I've listened to or read about, or just thoughts that other people have had, or just things in yeah. terms of technology, is yep. the idea that. You know, when it comes to cassette futurism, part of the appeal to it, and I think part of the reason that it just feels so rugged is because that kind of technology is more durable. There's a reason that the military um, in any country still uses technology that is either durable or that is older date because it's easier to replace, it's easier to maintain. So in Star Wars, I mean, you have entire scrapyards of this kind of technology. It's not something like an Apple computer. You can go to these places, pick something out, plug it into your ship, and it'll still work. So, I would say to a degree that technology would still endure. You know, certain technological aspects may be lost, depending on how badly you may not be able to manufacture certain things. But I think that in terms of the durability and simplicity of the technology that we see in Star Wars, that you would be able to maintain it fairly well, provided you have the facilities and the tools. Yeah, there's just too much, right? Yeah, that's the thing, is there are so many worlds at so much scale where it's like you would have to have an Ameris coup sort of event where the Yuzang Vong War was pretty equivalent of its destruction and scale. Um but then with the case of like, you know, regional regional power bases and stuff like that becoming a thing in this in this particular case, you know, so you got no more no more republic, anything like that. Um I think a lot of sh- hmm. press gang. Go ahead, my friend. Okay. I've got another fun idea. The Empire, uh at some point when the Empire is, has taken over, what if they took all of the hyperdrives? They I... started rounding it up. Okay. Why would they do that though? Because then they have, a, yeah, if they have control, yeah, they have a monopoly. Yes. Yeah. If yeah, you can't, well, no, it's like I, I feel like that would cause massive insurrection if they tried to do that. But that's just my opinion. Yes, I feel like, they would be absolutely. And guess what? They can't fucking go anywhere. Yeah. Everybody's all mad and, <laughs> yeah. and stuck on their world, shaking their yeah. fist in clouds. Well, that's like saying no, no, no. 
That's like saying the British Empire. That's like saying Russia is taking everyone's cars. Hmm. See, the the only pro now, I like the idea of that, Mister J. The only problem of that is you. I don't think you are grasping the scale of the Star Wars universe. Yeah, I don't think it's. That's what I'm saying. I don't think it's. Th possible. There are there are star empires that exist outside of the Empire and the Republic. Um, and neither I, have even each other. Yeah, I am thinking of the Hapen Star Empire. Which is an entire uh, Apes consortium, uh, yeah, yeah. Like they, uh, okay. this this is an entire empire star system that has their own armies, their own warships, the battle dragons, um, that are stupid looking, but whatever. Um, it is a matriarchal controlled society where men are looked at as you know dumb and stupid and more or less worthless. Um, oh, but they it. were a they were a mighty empire. Uh, so much so that when the Republic first, when the New Republic first took over, they were courting them to join them to provide them support so that they could continue to battle the remnants of the Empire. So I, I don't know that the Empire could ever do that because the technology and the galaxy is so big that even if they started, if all the other pissed off parties were to combine, they could have wiped the floor with them. Okay. Yeah. But it's just... a cool idea. Okay. Yeah, because I was just thinking of like, okay, there are say, like every single planet has its has maybe one or two. Like actually, how many on a generic planet? How many spaceports do they have? Oh God, That's... depends on the level of the planet. Yeah. I mean, look okay. look at Tat yeah. Tatoo Tatooine is a backwater world, but it has at yep. least I think it has like two... six or seven. Yeah, okay. at, le at least three that I know of for a fact. You've got Anchorhead, you have Mos Eisley, you have Tatooine. Okay. And there's yeah, probably a Mos Espa. Oh, forgot about Mos Espa. Yep. Okay. There's also Anchorhead. Yeah, because every single starport has to have an Empire outpost to it, right? Otherwise, what are they doing? Not necessarily. Not once you get out, yeah. yeah once really? you get out, in, yeah. When you get out into the outer rim, it's basically like yeah. you know where Straw lives. The periphery. You know, where, yeah, the you periphery can go mile. Yeah, you can go miles and miles and miles without seeing another person. So it's kind of like, imagine where you've got this planet so far off the beaten path that there's no official imp imperial presence there. Outpost? Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you fuck around and find out, they you, you might draw their attention, but as long as you don't draw anybody's attention, yeah, who cares? Okay. If the uh, Empire were cops, they would be 20 minutes away. Not five, 20 minutes. If that, yeah, okay, okay. No, that's fair. I was just think I'm used to them. Like every starport has the Empire dude next to it. Okay, yeah. Just think think of the Star Wars galaxy as you've got the core worlds, which are the ones that where you have the highest density of population, you have the highest you know percentage of uh, influence in, uh, in in you know government control. The yep. farther you get for that, when you get into the outer rim, these are your more rural. These are the more, you know, the further you get, the less influence because it takes longer. There's less stuff going on. And then you get into the real wild space where there's just like, it's just fucking whatever. Okay. And those people still have. Can I speak on something real quick? Yeah. Um, core worlds, think of them as like the Terran hegemony, but like 
what I'm going to go with this is mm. I, in Tarkin's case, actually, is he's a mid-rimmer. And so mid-rim, they've got a fair amount of wealth. They're kind of well-established. But in comparison to the core worlds, these are not millennia upon millennia of established wealth and things like that. And so I guess one of the things that stood out in reading a, a Tarkin comic was like he was looked at as he had the smell of new wealth and colonialism still about him as like he reeked of hard work still. And that speaks to how things are set with like the core worlds are your prime industrial and commercial worlds, your mid rim. They're pretty well developed. They're pretty well middle class and everything, but it's the outer rim where it's like, as Halion said, complete backwater. Okay. There's probably a scene filled with methetics and no one knows anything about them. And even the uh, the random places out on the the extreme bums still have, a, a, still have a whole bunch of um, of hyperdrives and all the same technology as everyone else. Okay, got it. But it's I mean they're not able to produce it. It's you're getting second rate stuff, scrap oh, okay. things that have like found its way out there. This is like 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 I said, this is the periphery in comparison to the inner sphere like the like anything in the outer rim think of it as the periphery like van zandt status periphery this is backwater it's hardly got you know maybe a couple worlds have finally been able to industrialize but for like thousands of years people rather just turn these places into mining worlds to send that stuff back to the mid rim factories to be sold in the core core worlds you know okay. or if you want to um use actual Star Wars stuff. You know, remember in um, The Mandalorian where there was this planet that had no starport that had that was in a subsistent agricultural society? Yeah, the Krill Farmers. Yeah. yeah. And you're going to have like thousands upon thousands of worlds like that too. Yeah. Yep. A, a shit ton. Okay. And that that's a good point that brings me to the idea I had, which ties in also to something you mentioned, Mr. J. I'm not stepping on your toes, am I, Vulcan? Not at all. Okay. So if you gentlemen will permit me, I have a, a little something I would like to go through. No one's quite sure how it happened. The theories and the stories are infinite. I guess we may never know. But what is fairly certain is that it started in hut space. Rumors that some sort of sickness had started killing the huts, and then other species, and then no one was hearing anything from Nalhutta. Before the greater galaxy knew what was happening, Cleva went quiet, then Tordaria, then Rourke. Then more and more worlds began to report a creeping death that left nothing in its wake. And then, it was everywhere. A microbe, likely engineered, but who knows, began attacking worlds. At first, it only killed specific species, then other species, then the wildlife, and the fauna, and then everything. Once it began, it didn't stop until all trace of organic life was consumed. With the pervasiveness of interstellar travel and trade, the pandemic was soon galaxy-wide. In a matter of days, entire planets were purged, and in weeks, it was entire systems. At first, governments and large corporations tried to get ahead of it. All travel and trade was banned and evacuations attempted on infected worlds or those thought to be next, with disastrous results. 
anyone who made it on board these ships would either be reaped on route to their destination or live long enough to bring ruin to another world. The Republic soon abandoned all rescue operations and instead switched to military blockades of quarantined planets with no ship allowed to land or take off. Any attempts to defy this were quickly destroyed with only a token, if any, warning. In the beginning, the names were various. Some called it the Creeping Blight, the Living Hunger, the Sith Cure, or even the Emperor's Revenge. But eventually it would become known colloquially as the Scour, the end of all life. As businesses and governments failed, their armies, both official and private, began to abandon their posts. The few that didn't either doubled down on their missions as their supplies and forces dwindled, or they retreated to their holdfasts and awaited reinforcements and further orders, neither of which would ever come. The few Jedi that were around did what they could to help stop the plague, but there are some foes that a laser sword just can't defeat, and their light too faded from the universe. On not-yet-affected worlds, fear and desperation ruled the day. And in this fog of chaos, feckless individuals saw opportunity. Conmen and swindlers preyed on people looking for hope by selling scour-proof suits, fake cures, or guaranteed scour detection and, and disinfection devices. When rumors started that a nearby world was infected, they would sell fake tickets to transports that didn't exist to worlds that were likely already dying. The smartest of these villains got off-world and onto the next quietly although they eventually learned the hard truth that all their ill-gotten credits couldn't buy off the scour when it inevitably caught up to them. Once it became apparent the Republic was too busy to come and stop them, the more ambitious and aggressive gangsters and crime lords in the Outer Rim took over towns, cities, or even entire planets. With no fear of reprisals or repercussions, they let loose their worst impulses and brutally subjugated their new fiefdoms. In this time, when suffering and death were happening on a level never seen before, some of the people living in these war zones were actually relieved when the scour finally came for them. Eventually and far faster than anyone could have ever conceived, the Republic itself fell apart and Coruscant, the eternal city planet, went dark. And just like that, what thousands upon thousands of generations of war peace, destruction, and rebirth could never accomplish, the Scour did in a few short months, the complete and utter end of almost everything. There were some worlds that went into full oscillation soon enough to not fall victim to the first wave. They were alive, but cut off from any supplies, any services, or equipment that they depended on. The planets with enough industrial capacity were able to maintain a relatively normal life for a while, until the food began to run out. Those at the higher end of the economic scale hoarded what meager resources they could acquire while hiding in their towers and compounds until either they ran out of sustenance or were pulled kicking and screaming from their gilded cages by fellow starving citizens and killed. The more isolated agricultural worlds that miraculously were spared the first wave soon became targets of raids and outright invasion by off-world survivors desperate to find food. Some were able to form militias to defend what they had, but those who lacked the means to soon found themselves either dead to a marauder's blaster or a slave. Many communities became nothing more than work camps, where people were forced to toil in the very fields, orchards, and farms that they had sustained their families for generations, 
but for now, no other reward than to see all their efforts go to their oppressors while they themselves slowly starved. Eventually, these intrusions from outsiders would inevitably bring the scour with them, and the process of infection, consumption, and annihilation would continue from world to world. The only thing that brought at least a temporary halt to the march of the scour was the universal adoption of a set of rules and protocols of survival, chief among them being no traveling to other worlds and no outsiders allowed. And this is how it stayed for a while. With most of the known galaxy dead, lifeless spheres and the meager number of planets who still lived cauldrons of anguish, fear, and suffering just desperately trying to survive. But slowly, people began to adapt and accept the reality of the universe that they knew being gone. And in the very, very few places where existence was not utterly hellish, a sense of routine and normalcy eventually set in. Vast flotillas of ships of all sizes and types banded together in deep space to share resources and protect each other. Deep space communities who live among the stars in an attempt to avoid contact with the Scour. Rogue spacers with cobbled together ships going from system to system, scavenging what they can from abandoned and dead ships, barely keeping one foot ahead of the Reaper. Pockets of highly isolated communities far off any old trade or star travel routes, going about their lives with either the constant nagging fear that their oasis will be discovered by the Scour, or in total ignorance to its existence and the toll it's taken on the greater galaxy. Some enterprising individuals even began to try to reestablish primitive trade operations using only droid-operated ships whose holds are exposed to the vacuum of space to prevent any chance for the Scour to be spread. And this is where we are now. A galaxy greatly diminished, but still holding on. No republic, no empire, no armies, no fleets of starships, no Sith, and no Jedi. Just the tales of people living their lives with whatever purpose they can find. COVID-20. Wow. That was amazing. Yeah. That see the parts of Star Wars that I love don't involve the big overarching opera. It's the vignettes. It's the little stuff. It's the shit that goes on in the corners of the galaxy. That's what we got with Andor to a degree. That's what we get really with with Mandalorian. Is this is something going on that doesn't necessarily involve the big picture. This is some the stories of these individuals and their struggle. And what they go through, that is, to me, far more interesting. Plus, when you get rid of the Empire, you get rid of the Rebellion, and goddamn, get rid of the Jedi and the Sith. It, it just it allows you to tell more interesting ground-based stories. And I love Star Wars for all the things that it is, but I enjoy when they talk just, don't give me the, the space magic shit. I enjoy the stories when you're talking about on a human level. And that's what we got, particularly with the uh, with the Andor series. I think where they talk, where it's much more the human story. Yeah, I agree. I I think that that's the problem with a lot of the major stories in Star Wars is they neglect the human element. Sorry, Straw, you were gonna say. Uh, the the original movies of the Jedi, the Sith, the Empire, and the Rebellion have has been a disaster to all Star Wars. Well, see, to go back to, to Jay's point that he made to, to start it off, Straw, they're all just telling the same thing. Of it. It's the same story getting rehashed. 
yeah. the parts, the 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 bad guy slash good guy may be, and the heroes and the villains may be different, but it's the same story again and again and again. Yeah, yeah. and and that gets repetitive yeah. and boring after a while. Yeah, I mean, even the fucking video game, the RPG video games, kind of dealt with that. Is that yeah, every time the Sith or the Jedi or the Empire, or what have you, rear their head, it's the same damn thing. Maybe because the the Force is forcing it to be like that. See, that's and that's why I came up with the whole idea of the scour. That if you eliminate most of all, and not not just people, everything. Like I envision the scour as a microbe that destroys. Everything that lives, everything organic, and you do this for yeah, except the droids, of course. Right. So you you destroy most organic life in ninety five percent of the galaxy. Not only do you 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 have to focus on the few people that live, but in my idea, you've eliminated the force, both dark and light, because where does the force draw its strength and its power? Everything from. From living things. Well, if you eliminate 95% of the living things, there's not a hell of a lot of force left. So even if there are any force-sensitive people left, there's not going to be enough force left for them to tap into. That was my whole idea behind that. The interesting thing about this is the information is still there. Mm -hmm. there, uh, there there's no lost knowledge, right? Nope. Um, all the computers still work. So you can still request some data or whatever from a, a computer and then going, okay, this is how this works. This is how this works. You can still scavenge, but it's minimal at best. You've just got the ever, but the problem is, and again, in my idea, is if any chance you take risk of going away from where you are, you run the risk of destroying everything. Yeah. So it's, it's a mixture. The issue that I'm seeing just from like, uh, like if I was going to run this in a game or like, like you can't do anything then, right? Oh, sure you can. That's like I said. You've got you've got colonies of people that still live in space that are moving around. You've got people using droids and droid ships to try to reestablish trade, to reestablish communication. Um, you, you there's plenty of stories that you can tell. You're just not telling the big story. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Everything has to be a lot smaller very quickly. Hmm. I don't know, I was thinking of the same thing, but with like a food source. Oh, if you like cut if you suddenly have a like a, a potato famine for rice or whatever is I was thinking the, the, more like mad cow disease, but they never caught on to it. Ooh. Oh, so you're saying like so like there's some sort of like pathogen type thing spreads throughout all the food supplies and they can't figure it out. Or someone just went, eh, don't worry about it, until it kills everyone. The idea I'm thinking about it was a food, like just a infection of the food source itself goes everywhere. People eat the food, and in about like 10 years, the process inside the food affects the body, and yeah, they're done. Hmm. Oh, so it's like a really slow-acting uh, poison type thing. Yeah, because I think that's what mad cow disease is all, is that beef they had was infected with some sort of prion, but... Mm -hmm. It's where they, they were feeding dead cows back to other cows. Yeah, for nutrition. 
and the prions infected the cows, which, and then when people ate the mad cow disease, people figured it out, but no one knows when it's going to happen because it it won't activate until like 10, 20, Seven. 30 years after. Yeah. I I have a friend whose best friend died from mad cow disease. So, it, and it was from a, took a business trip to Europe and then came home and it was like three years later, started having severe headaches. And that's when they eventually figured out what was going on. And then it was, of course, by then fatal. Yeah. So, yeah. So I could see that. So something like that, where it's like essentially a slow poisoning of the galaxy. Oh, maybe. I mean, okay. Five years is a bit short for a galaxy, but like, if it's like in 300 years, your gener- your kids are going to get fucked. That, that could get spread very far, very quickly. Ooh. What if it's like, like a type of slow poisoning, like it's something environmental. Like you get microplastic to death. Yeah, oh shit. Like, like, yeah, like like maybe everything that we're making, like all the all of our starships, all of our you know all the stuff that the shit we're making, all has some sort of level of of of, uh, of radiation in it, and it's just over multiple uh, generations of our DNA getting degraded and damaged little bit by little bit by little bit that suddenly we essentially all become either sterile or inviable as far as being able to. to produce living offspring that's an interesting idea of course that just kills everybody yeah yeah except the huts because they're pretty goddamn hardy are the huts the cockroaches of star wars is that what we're saying (laughs) in a way yeah like there was a hut lord who got shot in the head it blew off most of his face and had a giant hole in his head where, and that, that went down to his mouth. But it didn't kill him. And the idea was uh, that if they gave him about another 150 years, he would regenerate what he had lost. Oh, my God. <laughs> he got wolverine Oh, no. Kind of, but really slow. Like, like huts are, all, are kind of like, like lizards. And, like, they can lose limbs and they'll regrow them. Um... And the interesting thing, too, about huts is they're not born as slugs. They actually have legs when they're born. It's just they're in, in, in the original canon, mind you. Yeah. Uh, it's just that after they're a couple of hundred years old, which is at the point that they're considered adult, um, they're, because of non-use, their legs essentially fuse, and that's where they get their slug body. Hmm. Wild. There's obviously something... Yeah, there's something like this in fucking One Piece, of all things. Oh, God. (laughs) It's called Amber Lead, where essentially it's this, like, pure white mineral, shiny mineral that's in the soil and the earth and the plants of this one island country. And people love it so much, they put it in everything. Their roofs, their... Their paint, their everything. As it said, it was a beautiful land of snow and the white city. However, it led to a syndrome called amber lead disease. Um, I'm going to put it in unplugged private. And uh, just, just, uh, just, just look at this. 
It is a bad time. Oh, yeah. that's, that's no good. Uh, the first generation who was exposed to it is in their 70s. The second generation dies in their 50s. Third, their 30s. The fourth dies in their teens. And the fifth, there is no fifth. They're all dead. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Uh, when the... Mm, Amber Lead Syndrome, Amber Lead Syndrome, also known as Hakuen Buyo, is a non-contagious hereditary disease caused by the accumulation of amber lead in the victim's body after prolonged exposure. Amber lead poisoning is unnoticeable in its early stages when in lower concentration. But effects are observable, given that each succeeding generation in Flevents had notably shorter lifespans. This is due to the fact that the level of amber lead concentrated is passed down to the next generation, leaning nearly everyone in Flavrens having slowly increasing concentration of amber lead poisoning over time, resulting in subsequent generations having shorter lifespans than the previous one. Basically, this amber lead disease killed an entire country except for one person who had this basically fruit that goes, okay, room, remove this out of my body. Okay, I'm good now. And he was the Alicia. only one. It was he was the literally the last survivor. Hmm. Of course, it is said that amber lead is similar to abestos. I'm reading off the wiki, and uh, the use of abestos was discontinued. Serious serious cases of diseases. However, many governments ignored it, ignored the scientific and medical reports about abestos, continuing its use into the 1980s, even when its native effects have been discovered in the 1890s. Well, that doesn't sound like government at all. No, not in the slightest. Also, possibly a reference to, you know, actual lead poisoning, uh, mercury inside Japanese waters, because companies are, that were ties to Japan were just dumping mercury into the ocean, which, you know, led to a lot of people eat fish that had mercury, and then you know, dying of mercury poisoning and <laughs> arsenic. Hmm. Oh, Star well, Wars. Yep. Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah. So um, imagine that, but galactic-wide. Turns out the hyperdrive gives you super cancer. Oh, God. <laughs> well, you know, you know, they tried that. They, they kind of tried that in Star Trek. In, um, in the next generation tangent we need to like insert like a being like the editor needs every time we, a tangent goes on like a i thing. suggested that and realized that's a lot of work it is yeah. but it'd be funny um in during the next generation they at some point they talked about like oh we discovered that all of this like warp travel is damaging subspace and if we keep traveling at these high warp speeds, we're going to irrevocably damage uh, subspace to the point where there may be regions of the galaxy where we can no longer travel at warp speed. And so they came out with this rule that like nobody can travel faster than such and such speed. And then like, like within a, an episode or two, they completely ignored it and, and it was never discussed again. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds like Star Trek. Yeah. What? No way. <laughs> They've definitely never had good ideas and then forgot them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I also, just saw the picture that that Straw just sent to, to the chat. Boomers full of lead, kids full of microplastics. Who wins? 
Well, I gotta I'll say, I think you're you're probably gonna die there. from the lead poisoning faster than you're gonna die from the microplastics. Probably. Probably. I mean, that reminds me of the time in which people who thought tomatoes were poisonous, even though even though just eating it off of lead plates. Oh yeah. Uh, tomatoes are slight the. They are from the nightshade family, like mm-hmm. that the the bad shade of family. They are from a bad genus of plants. Same thing with potatoes, where you can't eat potato leaves; those will kill you super dead. Yeah. So, like, I I actually get that. I I, I won't give them shit over that. There's plenty of other things to give them shit over, but that one, I'm like, eh, it's fine. I think we can all agree that Star Wars is an imperfect setting. It's not oh, yeah. logical, oh, and yeah. part what? and I and I think particularly with the uh, the controversy that often surrounds the sequels, uh, that they I think a lot of we all have ideas of how we would have done it better, or mm-hmm. not the things at least the things we wouldn't have done, which we will eventually discuss in a very special episode, eventually to come one day. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. But but I do think the idea of changing certain things, taking out pieces, putting in pieces, how fundamentally it can change the setting and what interesting things might come about that, I I think is... is Just pulling little pins. Yeah. The the endless uh, domino effect that that could have on the setting, I think, is is, uh, fascinating. Yeah. It just goes to show how you can get ideas from any sort of setting, you know? Just mm-hmm. tweaking one thing or another. Just even for world building, for a game, or what have yeah. you. Unfortunately, you can't do it for rifts. Sorry. Sorry, Crispy. Uh, <laughs> rifts is a whole other fucking thing. <laughs> you pull one pin, and it just yeah, makes It's like more. pulling the pin in a grenade when it comes to rifts. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you pull it or not. It's risk going to blow up in your face. It is. Yeah. Well, then. Vulcan, That's a good do you have any final thoughts? Stay weird. <laughs>